This is What Goddesses Watch, a film and TV podcast that takes a divinely badass dive into the feminine on screen. With me, Soma Ghosh, film critic and editor of the Demoted Goddess magazine. Hello, you goddesses, and welcome to a new season of What Goddesses Watch, the podcast where we get together to talk about roles for women, works by women, performances by women. Uh, You get it, women, 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 and that of course includes trans women. Uh, Today we are starting our fluttering journey into spring and summer with a Valentine's love letter to Juliette Binoche, who you can see um, on screen in two works. One is Potofo, English uh, title is The Taste of Things by Tran Ang Hung, and the other is as Coco Chanel in The New Look, a series on Apple TV. And it's typical of Binoche's um, prolific acting that she has, uh, She's you can see her in both of these pieces because she's been in uh, so many um, films just in the past five years. And of course, this is a career that um, spans back from, um, I think, appearing in Hail Mary, which was a Goddard film in 1985. Um, and then various highlights, which I urge you to watch, include Kislowski's uh, Three Colours Blue from 1993, in which she plays a woman who survives a car crash killing her composer, husband and child. Her earthy, humane, sensitive performance as Rafe Fine's nurse in The English Patient, 1996. Um, then I'm going to skip over, I'm going to skid over Chocolat um, from 2000. I know it's many people's favourite films. Um, sorry to be tautological, I find it just... Ugh, yuckily saccharine and um, glowingly sugary, um, exactly the kind of Binoche film that I, I just abhor. Um, but uh, she's just redeemed herself in, in far too many for me to begrudge her um, that Oscar storming number. Um, 2008, Olivier Asseya's Summer Hours. Um, she's great in that as a brittle, merry, spry, urban uh, woman, one of a group of siblings um, deciding what to do with their mother's inheritance. And then fast forwarding to 2020s, uh, Who You Think I Am by Safi Nabu, which we'll talk about a little bit in this episode. Um, and you might ask, given our um, previous interest and our interest often in new and upcoming artists, why for Valentine's should we be uh, celebrating somebody who is really established as the possibly the first lady of um, French cinema? I think she'd have to catfight it out with Isabelle Huppert for that um, that one, um, but certainly one of the the first. Um, actors of uh, any gender in the world. And my answer to that is that I've always been fascinated by the way that Binoche um, rather plays against 
our expectations of her sensuous beauty. But she does something very different with the role of Eugenie, the culinary genius and cook, working with um, the great chef Dodin in 1885. Uh, Eugenie is, a, is the cook who works out Dodin's um, recipes with him. Um, she lives in, in the kitchen. She hardly ever comes out of the kitchen. She occupies the very centre of his household and an extremely unusual position because she is also his acknowledged unmarried mistress, which of course is um, uh, an unconventional and um, beyond uh, bold position for a woman to occupy. So the role itself is one which admits of contradictions, if you like, um, that uh, a woman who's very important yet is hidden away, um, is given a lot of respect by her peers but is um, not respectable in wider society and it is uh, typical in its way of roles that um, Binoche is choosing to play uh, has been choosing to play um, perhaps in the, in, in the last 10 years or so so from her, her, her 40s and mid 40s onwards and that's why I wanted to um, uh, record this little um, love letter share this little love letter with you to Binoche because I want to talk about how she expresses um, uh, appetite self-definition that determination to define ourselves on our own terms um, and our desire for narratives for ourselves that can be credible in a youth-obsessed world in roles that she's taking on more and more which are age-appropriate looking at the position of particularly the single woman, the woman without family, the woman who is um, deeply uh, embedded in in life, but perhaps invisible to the world because she's uh, over 40 or over 50. Eugenie in this regard is fascinating in how she uses her retreat from the world as a position of power. So in the story of Potofu, The Taste of Things, we have this couple, um, it's not at first clear if they are a couple, we have this working unit, Dodin, the much celebrated chef, whose cuisine is sought after by the celebrities and princes of the world, and yet is enjoyed by a select few friends in the countryside. And Eugenie. At first, Eugenie's status in the household is somewhat unclear. Um, that the uh, film takes place in a beautiful small mansion surrounded by its own gardens and fields. Uh, Dodin appears to be the master of this mansion, and since Eugenie appears to live between um, the topmost quarters where one would expect the servants to live and the the kitchen it seems that she is his social inferior but it quickly becomes clear that he cannot operate without her she is 
uh, not his muse, as might be the typical position for um, a woman working with an artist in a 19th century tale, but she is in fact an artist in her own right. So Juliette Binoche in both of these roles, as Eugenie in Taste of Things and as Coco Chanel um, in The New Look is playing an artist. As for the plot, there's nothing dramatic. Um, certainly things happen, significant events happen, but this is life uh, unfolding. This is a still life um, animated before our very eyes. The style of the photography, the unhurried pace, um, the attention that Hung gives to every part of life in this house and in this kitchen and the journey of dishes from Eugenie's creations to being served at table, often with Dodin um, presiding over the meal. Um, love sublimates everything that this couple do. And so it's not a conventional love story in the sense of an obstacle and a crisis, although there is, and this makes it most apt for Valentine's, um, of course, uh, the dinner. So there is uh, the moment where um, Dodin uh, realises that perhaps he may be able to convince Eugenie to marry him um, by creating food for her. But Binoche's performance throughout resists romance. Um, there are no, there are very few lingering looks, the size, um, she's enormously self-controlled around Dodin. Um, and in fact, it's because it's, it's the role of food that's important to Eugenie as an artist. The role of food here is to cohere, to balance, to bring meaning to life, to create beauty on a daily basis. And Eugenie and Dodin ask everything of their art, but not of each other. <laughs> So you might say an ideal, maybe utopian love for creative types. And the visuals, um, Hung is careful to separate the interests that we have in, in, in the movements, particularly of the mysterious Eugenie, from food. Um, even though Dodin, of course, um, like many chefs, if you've ever dated a chef, this may have happened to you. Um, Dodin does recreate Eugenie's body in a pear dish. <laughs> That, that, I suppose, was inevitable. Yes, there's all of this, um, the, the, there's all of this um, potential unctuousness, both of female flesh and of the food, uh, which I must admit made me suspicious without even seeing the film of what might um, manifest. But um, Hung is... Uh, admirably restrained, I would say. Um, the mood of the film is um, elegiac. It is, it is an elegy, but it's celebratory um, in the way that um, that that we know that um, that nothing beautiful lasts forever. But there's 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 really very little that's melancholy about this film, and its pace is unhurried, like I say, it, it slows you down to watch it, which is the, re the reward of it. But truthful, it shows life as it happens. And Binoche's um, performance is pragmatic here um, in a way that she uses pragmatism later um, with 
the, her depiction of Coco Chanel, um, the, the the way in which she, uh, as Eugenie, um, speaks about food, speaks about love, um, utterly avoids the um, the plangent, um, the possibility of um, dwelling on the. Um, the, the, the sensuous transience of everything that they're creating, which, is, which would be so easy to do. And I think that there has been a slew of food programmes and food cinema, whether it's The Bear, Drops of Gold, or Ray Fiennes, um, not that I'm obsessed with him, that's the second time I've mentioned him. <laughs> um, oh, there's, you know, he's going to sneak in, despite it being all about women, I'm sure. Um, Ray Fiennes in, in The Menu. Um and one of the things that I found a little difficult sometimes about the pandemic was how we were often asked to to swap um, pictures of our comfort foods. Um, there was something on the one hand, um, of course, it's it's very natural to go on feeding yourself. It's a it's if you like, it's a, a defiant um, gesture towards disaster um, to create beauty and to create nourishment um, but it can also be a sort of um, panic um, narcissism can't it a sort of turning inwards simply to the senses and just ignoring the suffering that's out there and um, it, it feels to me as if um, in the past few years as um, things have felt more uncontrollable in the world we've become more and more interested in oh you know everything that I can control is just here, you and me, my little belly. Um, but the but the film is um, wise in, as I say, being like a living still life. It um, it does give tremendous importance, and and it's um, and the group of of male friends around Eugenie and Dodin uh, live for their next creation. It gives tremendous importance to food, of course it does, um, and there are close-ups on dishes as much as on as on faces. But you know, um, a, a pot au feu, um, it doesn't, of course, uh, translate as um, taste of things. A pot au feu is a simple rustic dish. Uh, it's a humble one-pot um, casserole, and the skill of a pot au feu is, is how you can retain the um, the individual tastes and flavours of each element whilst getting them to fuse together. And you guessed it, that is a, a critic's metaphor for this film. Um, it does manage to place the love affair um, of Eugenie and Dodin in the round of um, looking at what is um, meaningful in the life of these two people. And what is meaningful for them is their creation. Which brings us to Binoche's Coco Chanel in the new look, the new Apple TV series showing every Wednesday from Valentine's. Now, Chanel was obsessed with her own creation. She obviously created a brand from... Um, her vision, her personality, her lifestyle. And that lifestyle was founded on um, 
poverty. She was the illegitimate, effectively orphaned child of a low-class Loire family, and she would have grown up being sheltered by nuns speaking the patois of the Loire. And it's very interesting how Binoche's English accent, so one of the things I had to adjust to was all the actors are speaking English in a French accent, is how it's earthy, it's got a bit of a streetwise punch And indeed, the way that she approaches this character, to me, suggests that she had really thought and looked into the biographies of Chanel and read her words. Now, shows don't get points, as far as I'm concerned, for meticulous historical research um, merely, because it's all about the uh, their approach and, and originality. But actors um, who are able to step away from the expectations of perhaps a formal, um, distant, chic uh, Chanel really do. We see Binoche uh, arriving as Coco Chanel did after her exile for her involvement with Nazis in 1954, um, facing her, her comeback to Paris while Dior has been celebrated for the new look, for bringing um, hope with that, that fulsome feminine silhouette and revitalising fashion. And so we have Binoche's sharp-boned, soft-jawed pugilist. We have a, uh, a Chanel who has, who has lived, who has endured, who has fought. And uh, Binoche presents her as breathtakingly ruthless and selfish, um, contradictory in her, um, her auteur and at the same time her, her, her childlike frailty at times, certainly her childishness, her outrageous um, selfishness. The style of the series overall varies. It's of course beautifully glossy, bewitchingly glossy as you might expect from any Apple series uh, of, uh, of a historical period. Um, but it is uneven at times, perhaps a bit ploddy, um, more like a historical soap drama and at others, particularly in the two episodes directed by Julia Ducournou of uh, Titan and body horror uh, f uh, fame and absolutely revolutionary director, she uh, accentuates the psychological disturbance of um, of the trauma of war, of, um, of the persecution of the Jews and of political resistors, of torture. Um, all of these things, um, largely indirectly, are, are present in her ever-shifting camera. And just the way you see the actors relating to one another in her episodes is so much more visceral and emotional and, and physically free. Nonetheless, uh, there's some great writing here for the actors and particularly for Binoche in this script and story that is written mainly by Todd Kessler, who created the series, Jason Rabe and Carter Harris. And the, the, the opportunity that they give 
uh, binoche which she takes and runs with is that of showing a, a, a prize fighter, a champion who's been thrown against the ropes and, it, and, is, and is battling for her comeback. And really it's very true to the position in which uh, Chanel found herself. So I'm going to read to you from the interview which is um, briefly featured in the series but we don't see it in, in in great detail, from um, by Malcolm Muggeridge, um, himself a fascinating English writer and spy, uh, who was trying to trap Coco Chanel into admitting, as the series would have us believe, that's what he's trying to do, her Nazi involvement. So this is the real Coco Chanel speaking to Malcolm Muggeridge. Muggeridge, have politics ever riveted your attention? No. Mediocrity doesn't appeal to me. Well, uh, which side were you on? On neither side, of course. I stood up for myself as I always have done. Nobody has ever told Coco Chanel what to think. So there you have the real voice of Chanel, (laughs) courtesy of me and my French accent. Um, You can hear how spiky, rebarbative and witty uh, and, and just right on the beat she is and Binoche brings this quality to the way that um to the very way that she that she shrugs her shoulders um there isn't as I said the 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 expected patina of elegance in fact always bristling through is the pugnaciousness and that's what makes her so much fun to watch opposite Chanel for it's a dual story really is the story of Christian Dior and his sister, Catherine, um, who really comes to the fore here, played by Maisie Williams uh, with a quivering sensitivity throughout. Uh, Catherine Dior seems to be largely based on Justine Picardy's book, Miss Dior, uh, where you can read about Christian Dior's sister's extraordinary bravery as a member of the resistance and uh, the trauma that they endure, Christian and uh, Catherine, is um, navigated through his art very explicitly in the new look and opposed to that story of from darkness into light, we have the story of Chanel, her collaboration with the Nazis, Uh, being found out pretty much and escaping to Switzerland and from there from an impoverished and um, uh, scandalous uh, position she tries to claw her way back and uh, regain the power and wealth which she has lost. Now it's probably fair to say that uh, whilst everyone else does a does a good job in a fairly traditional historical drama which um, uh, I enjoyed because I I love I love fashion I love creativity um, I, I particularly um, resonated with that that struggling towards uh, new shapes as as a response to devastation which is the journey of of Christian Dior and that's quite unusual to see in a TV series as well so full props for that 
And also, alongside the sympathetic portrayal of a loyal, monogamous homosexual love between Christian and his boyfriend, the importance that the series gives to the friendship between women um, and, and mutual neediness, however rotten that might, might be, such as that between Chanel and Elsa. Although Emily Mortimer's role, I'd say, is a little underwritten, um, she gives this completely physically embodied performance of an eternal delinquent, exhausted and exhausting, the charming playgirl of Europe who believes she can still get any count or prince to marry her. And the friendship with Elsa, it's it's heart-dragging, codependent, needy mystery having roots in the past, is again one of the strengths of the depiction of Chanel, uh, along with, must just touch on, her love affair with Spatz, played by Clace um, Bang, um, whom you may have seen in the um, marvellously camp and clever subversion of conventions that is um, Dracula from, I think, uh, 2020. Anyway, um, their affair is, I think, at their best in the autumn throes and embers of desperation too. Ultimately, this Chanel is true only to herself and her absolute determination on defining what is Coco Chanel. And of course, I couldn't leave you at Valentine's or let's face it, any time without talking about sex. In the winter of 1945 to 46, uh, Chanel met and became enamoured of a woman in Lausanne, a younger and acerbically witty woman called Maggie de Zoylen. Um, Chanel's documented, if controversially documented, um, bisexuality and later lesbianism is not something that is dwelt on in the new look. In fact, Binoche attacks this gap, I feel, um, of Chanel's sexuality as maybe drawing again on the history of that orphan turned courtesan who used sex to gain wealth and um, and, and power and build her business, which is what Coco Gabrielle Chanel did with such uh, famous lovers as the Duke of Windsor. So uh, the sex that we see um, Chanel involved in, which she also lies about, um, is is very often transactional, it's very often of the market. And if not, then it's coming from um, the, the grabby needs of her own, uh, her own flesh and her own insecurity. So that's how Binoche tries to, I feel, straddle the gap. Ultimately, um, does it come to ratings? Do we have to do this? Well, it's kind of helpful, isn't it, for you to judge? As I said, um, please go beyond the first episode um, to, to, to see the, the interest of this series, the new look. I would give it 3.5 as a series. I would give um, Binoche um, four goddesses for her performance. And for Potofu, the goddess ranking is 4.5, both for the film and for the performance. So till we meet next, I wish you a very amorous Valentine's, um, especially if it's with yourself, and a creative and abundant spring. 
This episode of What Goddesses Watch was produced by Soma Ghosh with music by Penelope Traps. We don't interrupt your listening pleasure with advertising, but we'd love you to join us as a patron. If you enjoy this episode and you want us to make more podcasts about films by and about women, then go to patreon.com forward slash what goddesses watch. That's patreon.com forward slash what goddesses watch and support us from £1.99 a month or if you're listening on rss.com hit the donate button now.